Hi, everyone, and welcome into The Dig, the RMU Volleyball Podcast. I'm Austin Bechtold alongside Tyler Gallo here to discuss the remaining season that was for Robert Morris Volleyball, basically a season recap, Tyler, of everything that went on with this team transitioning from the Northeast Conference over to the Horizon League after much success in 2019, the last time that the team played after the 2020 fall season was moved to spring due to effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Robert Morris went from 22-5 and and 15-1 and in the NEC before losing at home, hosting the conference tournament, but dropping to Central Connecticut at home in five sets in Moon Township in the brand new UPMC Event Center. Well... They transitioned into the Horizon League, having a little bit more time to be able to adjust to the league in terms of figuring out game plans. But at the same time, they did not see many of these teams beforehand. And part of that played a factor along with restrictions with the virus and also injuries to some of their star players, limiting the Colonials to a 4-12 overall and conference record, dropping their last game, Tyler, after winning their last four. Team goes three and four overall at home and one and seven on the road. So obviously home cooking for the Colonials. It's actually four and five, the home record, not three and four. Four and five after their last series. A doubleheader victory against Northern Kentucky in game one, three to zero. Nice sweep by the Colonials there and pretty much dominating fashion, and especially in the first two sets, winning 25-16 to 16 in both, before falling in the second match by a score of 3-1. to one. So, Tyler, just recapping a couple of things first. You, the team started out against Oakland at home and all, almost all went up the UPMC Event Center up strong this season, losing in five sets to Oakland before dropping the next game the day after on Tuesday, 3-0. And then against UIC, losing the series on their first road trip in Chicago, 3-1. to And then being swept 3-0 against UIC. So what did you, what was your assessment at the team, of the team at this point? 0-4 on the season. And Marie Alfano missing the first series against Oakland. And Emma Granger being out, being injured in warm-ups in the f- first game. Not even getting on the court yet for the Colonials. I think they found their footing late. They were a late bloomer in this season. They, you know, they won in their last couple of series. So I think it was just it was a tough adjustment, especially without your star for uh, your star players. And they were able to you know get in there and get a couple of wins out of this season. Not not a not a season to write home about per se, but a season that can be used as a building block, especially after winning in the last couple of series. Yeah, I definitely say it is a building block. You started to see players like Abby Ryan and Annie Monaco start to start to step it up. And you you even saw Emma Brown getting some time as well. So being able to see these players, especially when Robert Morris is losing five seniors, and two are returning in, ter- in Emma Granger, which is the uh, big news for the team, which she decided to come back about the middle part of the season and also returning his outside hitter, Allison Londot. So definitely part of the theme is, especially early on with not having many players um, really active, and it took Zanoli a little bit of time to be able to get really into a rhythm as well this season. It was play your young guns, and Abby Ryan really thrived on that, and Andy Monaco played well, especially down the stretch and in these last couple of series. 
I think they found a good, suitable replacement for Maria Alfano and Abby Ryan as she sort of got better as the season went along and she found her footing on uh, being heavily utilized as the season went along. Going to be a big piece for the team going forward. And there was a lot to like about their last couple of series. You know, they were thoroughly rolled through, especially playing some of the best teams in the conference during the early goings of the season. But, you know, they got IUPUI late in the season where they were able to get a couple of wins. And then they got Youngstown State, an opponent they're pretty familiar with. Right. So they, they could go out there and get a couple of wins. Yeah, and UIC was a pretty good team this year. Same thing with Purdue-Fort Wayne also in their first year in the Horizon League. Colonials dropped two games in two matches, rather, in Fort Wayne. They were swept in both both matches didn't take any didn't take a single set losing 25-19, 25-18 and 25-16 on the road February 15th on that Monday before following it up the next day on the 16th then being swept again 25-19, 25-20 and 25-18 at this point you're if you're Dale Starr I feel like you were just kind of trying to mix and match a good lineup we started to see especially with injuries to Emma Granger limiting production out of the middle we saw, especially with Abby Ryan starting to come on on the outside, we saw um, Alyssa Hudak move to the right side a little bit and had a uh, good amount of success, especially after not playing there for Robert Morris in the past and really not getting any exposure there on the right side in high school either. So being able to see her adjustment and just the way that she was able to able to play for RMU, leading the team in kills coming into, coming into the last series at home, it really was it was a good thing to see, especially because you're going to need her senior leadership next season. So it's good to see that after a successful year last year that she pretty much, I wouldn't say picked up where she left off, but f- playing a new position and, you know, it, it's difficult. It, it's really hard to be able to pick up from one position to the other. Um, not trying to compare it anyway, but I, I played grade school volleyball in one position, and then I played in a, in a different, a whole different position. And obviously, I'm nowhere near college, and probably shouldn't have made the analogy in the first place or the comparison in the first place. I thought I had to think it over really before I said it, and I probably shouldn't have said it anyway. But the point is that it's difficult to move from one position to another, especially when you're right-handed and you're swinging from the right side, which is primarily primarily where lefties like me have swung from in their high school and, in Hudak's case, college careers. Right. Uh, when you're learning, learning a new position, uh, for anybody, it's tough to adjust origi- uh, Tough to adjust pretty early on to that, but we saw sort of replicating as much as they could the production of Granger when she was out, not, not completely replicating it, but yeah. filled in pretty nicely, even though they weren't able to get any wins. Um, out of it, but when she came back, there was uh, when Granger did come back, she looked a bit slower. She obviously with an ankle injury, you're gonna look a bit slower. But she came back and she rehabbed a little bit and looked like herself towards the last two series. One thing that we did not see though, Tyler, is postponements really of any point. At least registered on the schedule that we know about, RMU was able to get all of their scheduled games in, which is a very encouraging sign against Wright State. Another power. They ended up losing in on February 22nd back in Moon Township at home at the UPMC Event Center after returning from the series the series against UIC and Purdue Fort Wayne, which did not result in the Colonials' favor, only taking one set, one set out of twelve, actually thirteen possible sets in those matchups, and losing once again now to Wright State, three to one. 
on that Monday, as I said, 25-18, 25-22. Colonials took the second set for dropping sets four, sets three and four, 25-20 and 25-11. Wright State really hammering it on Robert Morris to be able to get out of Moon Township on that Monday night and get ready for the next game, which was an even more dominating fashion for the Raiders, defeating the Colonials 3-0. Clean sweep, 25-17, 25-21, 25-22. And at this point, part of it was, as Dale Starr told me post-game, these teams are just clearly better than the NEC teams. And that's no disrespect to the NEC. The offense is just faster. And it took a while for the Colonials' block and defense to really be able to adjust to the style of offense that they were going up against. And, you know, not having non-conference games, I think, was a detriment to this team as well. I think any, any sport... To be able to have some non-conference games, just to get your just to get your feet wet back in the sport and just getting back in the game style of play. I mean, you could scrimmage with each other as much as possible, but when you go out there against the competition against another team, it's real. And when you're not able to have that warm up per se to conference uh, opponents, then it could hurt, especially when you have players out and you're, you're trying to play some freshmen and the freshmen look good. But they're still young, and they're still committing a bunch of errors, and they still need to be able to work some of that out of their game. So I, I really think that the lack of non-conference games hurt. But And as we saw, even, as the season went on, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it was just that the competition was getting weaker, but when you play the toughest of opponents at the very beginning of your schedule— you're going to start to build up a tolerance to knowing what they have to, what you have to do to win and how to be able to beat those teams. So when you play teams that are not as high a competition with them, there's more so on your level or where you, you want to get past them, you want to advance past them, it gets to the point where RMU was able to get some sets and some games later and some matches later on in the season. Right, and I think the benefit of what happened this season was that they now have film on every team that they're playing. Yeah, uh, They played a bunch of the teams they hadn't played before, others that had probably new coaches um, that they prior to the ones they'd seen in the past like 10 or so years ago. So the styles were a bit different probably. But now that they have film on the opponents, I think they sh- they're going to get more wins next year. They're going to come out a lot stronger. And with a, you know an attack returning in Gra- Granger and Londot, it's going to be huge for the team, especially as they mentor these younger players as well. Uh, but, yeah, they're, it's not – a bad season. I mean, it was a bad season in terms of record, but a bad season in terms of development, not at all. Because in NEC, I mean, they were just not even – other teams weren't even putting up a fight, to right. be really honest. They did lose a couple of games, but, like, those games they lost were pretty much three twos, both both the time they went into five sets. So, you know, it's not like they're playing St. Francis Brooklyn, who puts up, you know, ten points against them one set. Um, they're playing Wright State, who's a really, really good volleyball team. Yeah. So now they have film on the opponents, and now I think Dale Starr is going to use that to his advantage. So heading into March, Robert Morris faced a big slate, both Ohio teams, with Cleveland State being the first series, March 1st and 2nd. Spring has sprung against Cleveland State, but they could not spring towards their first victory, 25-20, 25-15, 25-14 in Cleveland, Ohio, getting swept by the Vikings. They followed that up with another sweep as well. Broom's pretty pretty active, if you will, sweeping up the Colonials a lot early on in the season with the second match going to the Vikings 25-16, 25-15, 25-14. Just got worse by one every set. You'd win by you'd lose by you lose by nine, then you lose by ten, then you lose by eleven. 
and it wasn't really you, you weren't able to build that much that much confidence when you you're just continuing to get on this losing streak and how how just demoralizing it must be for the team. Yeah, and I think the one series I'm going to look at as their biggest, you know, uh, representative of the season is when they took on winless IUPUI uh, last week, and they lost the first set, and they just looked sluggish. They just looked slow. And Coach Dard yelled at the yelled to put it to put it brutally on is that he he laid it into him on the sidelines, yeah. and then they they came out, they won the next three sets, and then won the next three sets the next. Like they took six straight sets from IUPUI, never really looking back from that um, lapse in the start. And they finally they had some energy. Uh, Manialis and Lonnat said they were all you know playing slow. They were all tense, but that someone needed to bring the intensity. And then she came out and had her career night. She had a she had a big night for um, to actually revitalize the offense there. So, but that's the series I'm going to look at as their biggest one because they were able to handle the team that didn't have any wins. And Coach Starr said they came into this series thinking that this is the only chance we're going to have all year of getting a win. Right. So they came in and um, RMU thought they could just cruise, but he's like, guys, we're not. 25 and one anymore we're yeah we're we're not a we're not that dominant team that can just go out there and impose our will just even if we have an off night against nec opponents it just doesn't work that way right now with the style of competition and the quick offenses that we're playing but before getting to that iupui series the colonials had to face youngstown state on the road in youngstown they were 0 and 10 going into youngstown something that Dale Starr, who's been NEC Coach of the Year, he's been, I believe, 11 years with the program, and this is it, it doesn't get better than being able to beat a, a team that's probably going to become your your conference rival. Oh, yeah. I'd say absolutely, definitely is the team that is the most is the closest in terms of Youngstown State losing the first set to drop to 0 and 11 in five sets was a close one. RMU dropping 25-15. For winning the second set, 25-23, dropping set three, 25-22. Winning the fourth, 25-21, to the fourth uh, deciding fifth set, which the Penguins took 15-11. to But the next day, on Tuesday, March 9th, things were looking up for Robert Morris in a 3-0 sweep of the Penguins. They swept up the ice from underneath the Penguins, and they were swimming in water. They were looking for answers in the water. Gallo, they were. Another oh, bad analogy by me. <laughs> They won 25-21, 25-10, dominating second set, and 25-20 were the sets there. So before we do a deeper dive into the IUPUI series, what did you make of the Youngstown State series? Because when I was watching it, I thought you, we just saw that everything started to sink. Everything started to flow. Emma Granger was playing. She wasn't back to 100. She still didn't look like she was back to 100%, but she definitely gave a jolt to the offense, and everybody seemed to play around her. And you saw good performances from, as you mentioned, Londot was playing well this season and some of the other key contributors in the front row. Well, I think it's another series you look at as one of their best of the year, no doubt. Uh, they came in against an opponent they had seen. They saw them, I believe, last year. They saw them, um, and they did pretty. They did all right against them. They didn't win last year, but they did uh, put up a fight. And this is a team that is going, like you said, to become a rival. But this is a series that sort of reminded you of the NEC days where they would go in and they would just – grind it out for five straight sets and then you know come out the next day and have no no problems with winning yeah um but these the two series in a row the youngstown state and the iupui series reminded you of the nec days yeah exactly the iupui series march 15th and 16th with the 16th being senior night 
that looked like, and I said it while we were at the game to a couple of people that were with me working for athletics. I said, this looks like the team of the NEC, you know? They imposed their will on IUPUI. They completely dominated them. Now, IUPUI's team was depleted. I think they had eight yeah, players. Eight. Um, they, <laughs> one person on the bench. <laughs> yeah, one person on the bench. So, obviously, when you don't have that much depth and you need someone to be your libero, it's going to be hard to be able to really keep everybody fresh and functioning, even if you only play your starters for the most part. It's, you're still going to get worn out. So, being able to beat IUPUI, and you you expected it to be a fairly easy Match number one, it wasn't. RMU came out and lost the first set, twenty-five to eighteen, and then some of the players were benched. Tyler, yeah, uh, Whitney Brown was benched, Emma Granger was benched, and so was um, I forget who who the other one was benched. I think it was uh, I think it was Allison Landa as well. I think it was I think Maria Alfano was benched as well. He uh, coach said he had to make a statement because that was not the set they wanted to come out with. They came out and looked like they were zombies for an entire set. They went yeah. down, I believe, nine to two at some point, and they had to furiously battle back. But that deficit was too much to overcome. And he sat Whitney Brown and Megan Cannon came in and had the match of her life. I mean, she came in and absolutely tore up the floor. I think she set a career high in assists. Um, really replicating exactly what Whitney Brown would have probably done. But they benching them made a statement for the team. Like, all right, this is not going to be as easy as we thought it was going to be. We can't cruise against a team. We can't play down to their level. And they went out and absolutely dominated. Yeah, Megan Cannon had 31 assists in the match. Nicola Zanoli with 15. Erica Wilt with 12 as well. And your leaders for the, for the team, Allison Londot, 15 kills, 11 kills from Maria Alfano. Alyssa Hudak had six. So in that matchup, you saw – like you said, like you didn't, we didn't see much of Whitney Brown. We didn't see really much of Granger, and those players, you know, as Dale Starr said, he, he wanted a spark. He wanted a little bit of a jolt to the team to be able to fire fire up this team, get get them going. Abby Ryan only played two sets, so it really was. Let, let's see what we got. Let's put out some players that I wouldn't say want to win more, but will give us the type of energy and resilience to the point where. It creates a greater sense of urgency, and being able to see Alfano and Lon Dot thrive and be able to play it at an effective level, and also get to see a lot of other Colonials that don't really play as much be able to get a lot of time on the court was really encouraging. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just Megan Cannon. She's been a firecracker all season long. She's pumping up the bench even when she's not out there, and then she went out and she absolutely just tore it up. And she was pumping up the team as well. Her and Allison Londot had a very, very good performance in the game. Londot, I think, had a season or had a yeah season high of kills in that, and really was just the lifeblood of the offense. Those two, and they came in and did really, really well for the team. So RMU ended up sweeping IUPUI at home on March 16th for senior night, dominating fashion in set one and also in the third set, 25 to. 12 was the first set score, 25-20 and 25-16. The Colonials finished it out at the UPMC Event Center. And after the game, which I thought was I thought was pretty interesting, Tyler, the fact that they do senior night activities and festivities after the game, which, you know, depending on whatever the outcome could be at the game, it's good to, I understand moving that dis- potential distraction back to after the game because after you do... After you do a bunch of senior night activities at the beginning, you know, you have just the raw emotion that you have going into it. And sometimes the focus, the focus might not exactly be there. So 
to have the to have senior night festivities where Robert Morris was able to honor five of their seniors and really be able to celebrate a victory and their first home series win being in the Horizon League and after the match celebrating the careers of Erica Wilt and Whitney Brown and Skylar Clements and Maria Alfano it was and also Mirna Sarjanovic and also honoring um Lauren Kalenic who graduated in the fall as well who's not playing this season it was good to see that and good to see that after the team was able to get a victory they were able to celebrate in the right way and it was good for the seniors because this this class is such a decorated class they're they've gone through a lot and being able to lead this program to the horizon league as well i'm sure was a challenge for them i'm sure the players going into it knew if they played in the NEC again, they'd be they'd be back in the NEC tournament, no doubt about it. Probably even hosting. You know, it would have been difficult with 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 Granger not playing. But if all things if all things were right in the NEC, and I don't think I don't believe the NEC actually had a season. I can't exactly I, I don't exactly know one hundred percent, but I don't believe that they did have a season um, due to COVID. So partly you just got to be grateful that they're playing and. You know, obviously moving into the new conference was going to be a challenge no matter what. Everybody knew that when you transition and you play a bunch of teams you're unfamiliar with, and a lot of them are just better than you in terms of knowing their opposition and they're quicker, it's going to be a challenge out of the gate. And we saw that with the team and not being able to really get their footing until that until that YSU game and then IUPUI before playing Northern Kentucky to finish out the season in a doubleheader on March 22nd on Monday. Series set one went to Robert Morris in the series 25-16, to and it looked pretty good from then on for RMU. 25-16 to was also the score of the second set, followed by a 25-23 to nail-biter in set three. To give RMU a 3-0 sweep, taking out their brooms and sweeping the Norse of Northern Kentucky to be able to move their winning streak to four in a row. And being able to get to four in a row really was impressive from where the team started. When you're when you're 0-11 and there's really not much hope and you know, you're not giving up on a season, but you know you're not going to be making the conference tournament, especially with only four teams making it this year. To be able to see the team end on the run that they did, I think, is very pleasing, very promising, and it sets up for what's still going to be a very talented roster next year, and that's still without r- truly knowing who the next freshmen are going to be in, the, in this recruiting class that Dale Starr is bringing in. Right, and they can always uh, really improve the offense with the good recruiting class. But it's a good; it was a good year, and they put up a fight. They didn't, you know, put it in the rearview mirror and just put it in uh, cruise. Put it on cruise control for the last series. They fought against the defending Horizon League champions. So, and that is just a testament to how hard this team works and how hard they worked all year to get to this point. Now. Would you have liked to see wins earlier in the season? Yes, absolutely. I think every team would love to see that, especially coming into a new conference. But we knew it was going to be tough for them this year. I mean, they weren't even given any respect in the preseason poll. They were placed ninth, I believe it was, out of the conference, which is like 11 or 12. So they, it would, everyone knew it was going to be a tough year. While we did say, yeah, this is probably we, they're probably underselling them a little bit, 
they didn't end up underselling them. They actually oversold them by one spot. So, but it was a good year. Uh, it's a good year to use as a building block. And next season, I think they're going to come out even stronger and maybe potentially finish in the upper echelon of the conference. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible, especially with what you have now and being able to still build and still have Nicolette Zanoli returning in the back row. And you still have, you have Abby Ryan coming back for another year, which, you know, she could be one of your, she could be one of your better players in, in the whole entire program, just moving forward and definitely a building block to, to, to keep around, you still got Alyssa Hudak wherever you want a player. She's can, she can be effective with Granger and Lawn Dot returning though. I think that's just it's so critical because Granger is arguably the best player to ever play RMU women's volley, RMU volleyball. So it's, it's that, to be able to have her return for a fifth year is just uh, a treat in itself to be able to watch her play and just really not injured as well and not battling injuries will be will be really nice to see and you know you definitely root for her just to be able to break some more of those records and become the all-time statistical leader in a lot more volleyball categories for RMU. Yeah, and I'm not even going to um, discount this year or I'm not even really should we shouldn't even really count this year as a year for her because she missed virtually uh, 75% of the season going up till the end. Um, so her, for her to come back and actually get that full season and then get a full summer of rehab on that ankle. Cause we know she's not at a hundred percent still, yeah. she still look cause she wasn't playing that much, but once she comes back at full, uh, full hundred percent, she's going to get back to that form. She's may she may not win her Eisen league player of the year, but she'll be damn close. So RMU in the second matchup in the doubleheader with the first match taking place at noon, followed by the second at six o'clock, the colonials ended up falling to the Norse after going down 2-0 in the, in the series. Robert Morris took the third set for falling in the fourth set to the Norse. And it was still pretty impressive day for Robert Morris. Kills leader was Maria Alfano. She had 16 kills. Whitney Brown had 40 assists. Nicolette Zanoli had two aces. And you saw a season-high 18 points from Maria Alfano as well. So... Being able to see that production, especially in the last game for these seniors, you know, obviously you'd want to send them out on a win, but to be able to get that three to nothing win against the Norse, who you mentioned had such a great season last year and are still a team in position to make a run in the Horizon League tournament as well. It's it's good for confidence. It's good moving forward, and I'm sure Dale Starr would have rather um, had the team sweep, obviously than to lose the second set. I'm sure he's definitely pleased with how his team performed going up against a strong opponent and closing out the season at home is always a nice thing you can do. Yep, I think you can. Uh, they put up a great fight against the defending champs, like I said a couple minutes ago. Uh, and they swept that first They swept that first game, and that's just all you need to really know about the series. Yeah, they had a lapse in the second game. They probably weren't as um, energized in the second game coming out. I mean, they had to wait six hours for the next game, so they probably didn't have as much energy as they had in the first game coming out because they had to come all the way from Kentucky. So they probably had bus legs, and they probably just got off the bus and came out. But yeah. the second game, they still put up a fight. I mean, they nearly battled back in that final set. They nearly battled back to take the lead, but unfortunately they were not. Uh, they fortunately did not come out on top so what are your key takeaways from the season for me it's just that this we've seen with all rmu sports basketball for men's and women's it just the struggle was there at the very beginning to try to adjust and like i mentioned not having non-conference games to be able to get an adjustment for what your team is and then 
pretty much be ready to face that conference opponents and not knowing who the conference opponents are, not having your own tape against them from years past or knowing their staff or knowing what players that they return had to be so difficult. So uh, it's not it's not a past year for anybody, but it is a building year. It's a it's an identification of who you are year when you know you don't really have much to work with. So that's the way I see it and the further analysis is going to come next year and into the off season with what goes on with the recruiting class, who comes in and how effective can they be alongside some of these returning seniors in terms of Lon Dot and Granger and also the seniors to be with Hudak and Zanoli leading that pack. Yeah, I think, and the one thing I'm taking away is just how good some of the freshmen came in and played. They, it looked like they had been there. They, they, had, they, it looked like they were veterans on the offense. Especially Abby Ryan came in and sort of, she's got a, a bright future ahead of her and on this program. But yeah, like you said, it's not a past year. You don't. I mean, it's hard to give people. It's. It was going to be hard. It was going to be tough. We knew, even though we were sort of just like saying that, oh, maybe they'll, you know, reclaim the magic they had in the NEC and go out and dominate. But we we sort of secretly knew that it was going to be tough for them to adjust. And I think they hit that that adjustment hit really really hard, especially in the early goings of the season, having to face the cream of the crop in the conference. But they came down and they played against teams that they should have beat, and they did beat them. And against an affiliate, but now that they have tape, now they have all this um, this juice on other teams, they can actually go out and potentially put out a game plan and win. So RMU ends up finishing the season four and twelve overall, and also four and twelve in conference play with no. With no games, no matches being played outside of Horizon League competition. And some of your stat leaders in the for the program before the final matchup against Northern Kentucky took place at 6 o'clock. Some of those numbers. Alyssa Hudak had 119 kills. She ended up leading the team. Coming in second was Allison Londot. And it was great to see Londot and Mirna Sarnanovich be able to bounce back after injuries that kept them out all season last year. And especially for Sarnanovich, just coming back. and not, She's not coming back for an additional year um, under the NCAA, allowing players to return for an extra year of eligibility due to restrictions that have been put in place with the coronavirus. And really able to see her start to thrive, especially late in the season. She put up some of her... Some of her best games, some of her best matches of the year. But like I said, being able to, to see Allison Londot play really well and get that at 115 kills, 2.25 kills per set with Abby Ryan Tyler. It's 112 kills right behind there. Bunch of players were bunched right in the 100, over 100 with Maria Alfano fourth on the team with 111 kills up to that point. So I think... You're definitely going to have to see what you got in terms of health, availability, and hopefully everybody's going to be healthy this season. You won't have to deal with Granger, who's not fully back yet. So I'm really I'm excited for this team moving forward because I still think the building blocks are there. They have a very strong coaching staff, and I feel that they bring in a good recruiting class to be able to. They don't have to be stars, but to be to be able to complement some of the good players that you have right now. Maybe get maybe get a starter out of it for right right away then this team's going to be in good shape as they're riding momentum and riding some confidence ending the season right now right and they may even get some transfers this offseason they may even yeah. get a few with this year uh the eligibility year and all that weirdness that's going on they may even get a couple of players that can come in from higher up conferences that can come in and just 
slot in right away. Um, but I, I have confidence in Dale Starr. He, he's hit laps before. Like, I mean, the year before they went 25-1, and one, they were literally they in were, the bottom of the NEC. Yeah, they were just an average team. They were not, like, the, the best team that they were. And then they came out and just had an unbelievable year. So you'll go through this. You'll go through this, especially when it's a it's a little bit of a low recruiting year, um, as it was. Um, I mean, this offseason they got some good players, but it wasn't like they got a ton of stars. They got a bunch of players that start pretty much rode the bench all season. But they got Abby Ryan out of it. They got Andy Monaco. They got all these players that can come in and actually, you know, replace the players that they're going to lose as they graduate. And it's hard now even to recruit during the pandemic as well, especially with some teams maybe not even playing or maybe not having as much film as you like and clubs not playing as much. So that's been a detriment, I'm sure, to the whole volleyball circuit in general. But, you know, you just got to trust what Star has done, and he's built these, this program to where it is now. And being able to ride this momentum with a four-game winning streak before losing to Northern Kentucky 3-1 to one, puts the program in a good position moving forward. And being able to beat Northern Kentucky, I feel like, really put the rest of the league on notice that we are here now. We're, we might not have had as successful of a season as we were originally thought to have, but we'll be back stronger than we were this year, and especially with less restrictions in place, more practice time, more time being able to gel with some of the newer players, that this team is going to be able to go out there and find consistent success in the Horizon League like they were able to do in the, in, in the NEC. Right, and they'll actually start on time next year, hopefully. They'll actually start in yeah. the fall as opposed to starting in the, in the spring. So, and, you know, we may even get to go out on the road and see them play a couple of times. I sure uh, hope so. I, that would be a great time to go and maybe see them play in Youngstown or Dayton or a couple of these. But uh, once you have a full se- a full off season, and then they're going to put – but I guess the one thing you can say about this team is don't sleep on them next year. This is a team that, you, like you said, put the conference on notice with uh, knocking down a playoff team in Northern Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, one of the top four teams – the top four teams made it to the playoffs. They were one of the top four teams. So lots of lots of end of season strong thoughts about this about this team and just where they could be going in the future and especially when you return a conference player of the year in Granger even though it wasn't the old conference the Northeast Conference still being able to have that type of key contributor on your roster for one more season to ride it out under what's hopefully going to be a clean year with a clean schedule in the fall of 2021 would be very interesting. As it's pretty much a short it's a short turnaround. You'll have the summer and there'll be condi- some conditioning work and then it'll be ready to go back in August and September and we'll be back once again talking here on The Dig. Right, and they might actually have some invitationals to play and like they weren't able to do this year. They may even host one like they did uh, to, to, to open up the event center last season. That was, a, that was an interesting thing. Uh, but with if they get these non-conference games, it can only help them. And if they can actually, you know, play without restrictions, without all this stuff that's gone on this year, all the all the bureaucracy and stuff like that, it's been it's been a bit of an interesting year to say the least. But they they made it they made it all the way through, and that's pretty much there's a lot of positives to take from this. Season. Right, they made it without really any COVID troubles, no cancellations. Other teams didn't have to cancel games with the matchups with them. So to be able to play all your matches. In this type of scenario, and this type of setting, is pretty much a win in itself that they were able to get away with it all cleanly and responsibly. And you got to give the team credit for following the guidelines. And it, it shows because when you don't have any any problems right like this with the with the scheduling, any scheduling conflicts, you did something right. So got to pat yourself on the back for that. But that does it. 
for this edition of the Dig, recapping the season that was for RMU volleyball, finishing four and twelve overall, and in the Horizon League in their first season in the Horizon League after a dominant year in the NEC last year, transitioning over to the new conference. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with this team moving forward, especially with two of their better players returning for an additional season. So, for Austin Bechtold and Tyler Gallo, we appreciate you tuning in. And that does it for this season. We hope to hear, we hope that we will hear you chime in with us. Connect with us on social media, huh, Gallo? Yeah, absolutely. Follow us at RMU underscore CSN. If you find this and you're not already following us, make sure you do it. We do a lot of really, really good work here. And, uh, yeah, we've been pretty much there every step of the way when the volleyball's been at home this year, just at pretty much every game. Um, it was a fun year. It was, it was an interesting year to get in there and just cover it with nobody in the stands. Right. That was, that was very interesting for me. It was weird, um, but you know, for us just to be able to be in there in the first place, you know, I feel like first time I walked in to the arena, you kind of feel like, well, wow, this is a blessing that the fact that we're able to be in here, you know, we are covering the team, but just that we were still able to get in there with no fans allowed. It, it, it was just great. It, it was heartwarming for us to be able to cover them, and we were really, really pleased um, in being able to do so and happy that we were able to cover the team really when no one else other than athletics was. Right, really extremely grateful for athletics allowing us to get in there. I mean, we're always grateful when athletics uh, helps us out. Especially they helped us out tremendously. Like It was, it was just a, a blessing. Like you said, a blessing to get to go into that. I mean, because we go in there for the first time, and you're like, wow, there was a bunch of people in these stands mere months ago at the yeah. NEC championship, and then you come out. And um, there's nobody in there. It's just like a ghost town. It's crazy, and you can hear almost everything happening. And they tried to pump crowd noise in there, but it didn't really help. Um, but, you know, the benches sort of made up for it. The benches were so loud all year long. But, yeah, I was extremely grateful for getting to cover this team, as I have been for the last three years. Yeah, fans in the stands, hopefully a regular spring season, and everything rolling with the punches with another successful – with a further successful season in year two for RMU in the Horizon League is what – Everyone is pretty much hoping happens. So we will see what happens here on The Dig. For Austin Bexold and Tyler Gallo, thank you for tuning in. And we will see you on the next episode of The Dig.